You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. As I like this new tradition, James, you're trying to break me in the opening of every episode now. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. We've got our first official Bengals depth chart of the preseason. And not to overreact, but we will react at the very least to some of the very noteworthy things on this depth chart, starting, of course, with the offensive line. We've been talking offensive line depth for days and days. And obviously there are things we don't know yet and we won't learn until we see a couple of preseason games, but the depth continues to have optics and we will discuss those optics and talk about what it looks like right now in the offensive line. We'll also hit some other depth chart notes. We're going to conclude today with some newcomer notes. And I think this will actually be a pretty interesting part of the show. We're going to talk about some of the rookies and we'll talk about some of the offensive line rookies throughout the show, but Jamar Chase making a bit of headlines, I guess we could say in social media on Monday after another Paul Daner quote from his piece on the athletic goes viral. Poor Paul with these incendiary reporting of the facts uh, lines from his athletic pieces. We're going to talk to March chase, the cornerbacks, Chris Evans, Puka Williams to wrap up the show, but we're going to start James with, Really, the the first thing that took over Bengal social media on Monday, which is that Michael Jordan, after starting at left guard last year, is apparently the first team right guard on the Bengals' first depth chart, which comes as a bit of a shock. Now, I don't know that this means anything for who starts in week one. What I think this does mean, and the only real takeaway that I can come up with here is I thought Mike Jordan was on the bubble of this roster and him being first on the first depth chart we see seems to indicate that he is very much not on a roster bubble right now. Ugh. I mean, ugh. I I, I don't really know if that's an adjective, but I'm going to use it because I, I think that's what most Bengals fans felt when Michael Jordan was listed as the starting right guard on their first official depth chart. And, Look, let's, let's give it proper context. It's just a depth chart. It's their one that they have to release uh, b- before the, the first preseason game on Saturday against the Buccaneers. And it doesn't mean a ton. But like you said, it does mean something. And Michael Jordan should be, in my eyes, fighting for a roster spot. And instead, not only is Xavier Suofilo, who seemed like the worst-case scenario uh, at one of these guard spots, which is a pretty decent worst-case scenario, I'd say, behind Michael Jordan, but so is your second round pick in Jackson Carmen, who it felt like was going to be able to compete for that starting job. In fact, Frank Pollock on draft night said, Hey, he's, he's going to be, be able to compete for that starting job week one. And, and I remember asking, asking him that cause it felt like a reach then or whatever you want to say. And while there's still time for that and we can get to Carmen, let's stick with Jordan for a sec a second. The, the optics suck here. They're awful. It's brutal. Because nine months ago, Michael Jordan gets bull rushed. Joe Burrow goes down and gets injured. And you spend all offseason revamping your offensive line and bringing in Frank Pollock and getting Riley Reef and getting Jackson Carmen and re-signing Quentin Spain 
in the first official depth chart of the 2021 season, while you, me, and the rest of Cincinnati are still talking about that left knee of Joe Burrow as he continues to make his way back, the same guy is now starting just at the other guard spot. That is eek, the optics, brutal. And uh, that's where I started. When I saw that, I just thought about the optics. And it shouldn't be a huge shock to me. I've seen him line up with the first team multiple days in a row in practice. And yet seeing that, it was uh, it was still surprising. I got to be honest. Let's go back to August 5th, 2019. John Sheeran pointing out that these first depth charts of the year don't necessarily mean anything. On August 5th, 2019, the Bengals left guard depth chart read John Jerry, Christian Westerman, Mike Jordan. Mike Jordan was third on that depth chart, ended up starting that year for better or for worse. John Jerry played all over the offensive line, including some tackle for some reason, but they were very, very hard up for quality offensive line help that year. Also that year, Billy Price listed as a first center ahead of Trey Hopkins in the first depth chart that was released. So things can and will change. There's one possibility that this is entirely a motivational tactic for Jackson Carmen. Hey, rookie, you're number three on this depth chart. I, I do wonder what this says about Xavier Suofilo. I am surprised that it's not Suofilo ahead of Mike Jordan at right guard. But we'll see what happens in preseason game one. I imagine this means Mike Jordan is starting that game. And as we discussed yesterday, maybe this means Xavier Suofilo, they know what they have there. They want to see if Mike Jordan has taken that step because maybe they're seeing some good things from him. By all accounts, Paul Daner Jr. did a piece on this. He put in a lot of work and, and took it very seriously and tried to improve himself in the offseason. And maybe this is just giving him a chance to show it in this first preseason game. And maybe there's a really short leash there. We don't really know yet. This is just one depth chart. Like I said, the, the big takeaway for me is it doesn't seem like he's really on the roster bubble. It seems like they think he's doing things the right way. It's look, Jordan might end up being a good player. He's still only 23 years old. It's just, again, I, I go back to the optics in the feel and it, it, there's a hell of a lot of pressure now on Frank Pollock to get one of these guys ready to go. Because if whoever it is starting at right guard, isn't ready and is getting just pushed around and pulled and knocked down, then man, it's just, it's going to be brutal in. Yeah. Let's get to Carmen for a second. I think it, it fair or not, Michael Jordan, we'll see if he takes a step forward. I've seen nothing in camp from him. And, and that's kind of the, the concern is it's not like he was a dominant in one-on-ones or in 11s. It was like pretty apparent that that right side with Riley reef, and Michael Jordan was holding things down. And that's just not the case. And Reef's been fine, by the way, but I didn't notice that from Jordan. That being said, like if Carmen can't beat out Michael Jordan for the starting guard spot, if Xavier Suofila can't beat out Michael Jordan for the starting guard spot, like that's that's brutal. And maybe it, it does. It is a motivating factor for for Jackson Carmen. And I'll use, give you another example. I've used this on the podcast a couple of times. J- Joe Mixon was a third string running back on that first depth chart behind Jeremy Hill, behind Giovanni Bernard. The difference to me is I knew that that was BS because Mixon was clearly the most talented back in that room, most cut and talented back on the team. I haven't seen Jackson Carmen flash, like not even a little bit. And so that to me is the concern when it comes to Carmen and him making his way to the first team. And I'm not saying he won't, 
certainly got some time now. You got uh, just under five weeks as we record this between now and week one. So he can earn that starting job. He can still do everything that the Bengals said he was going to do, but he better get uh, get his head in gear and get his body in gear and get everything in gear because the, the clock's a ticking and uh, Bengals fans are watching for sure. There's so much scrutiny on this interior offensive line in particular and at offensive tackle depth, which looks a little bit odd on this depth chart with Hakeem Adenogy listed as one of the second team tackles. He's obviously out for the season. And the reason that he's listed as a second team left tackle is because Deontay Smith, who was drafted to play tackle, played some guard at the senior bowl, played one game of guard at ECU, is now listed as a second team left guard behind Quentin Spain. So it seems like Quentin Spain has a pretty good hold on that left guard spot, at least to start the season. Deontay Smith might get a lot of time there as Quentin Spain's coming back from injury. But that tackle depth, I mean, your backups currently, Fred Johnson, Isaiah Prince, and uh, undrafted free agent Gunnar Vogel. So we've talked about this a lot. I don't think we need to belabor the point, but I think the point kind of makes itself, right, that this offensive line depth could use a bit of a shot in the arm. And, you know, the other thing that I guess we should say is let's see how they perform in a game situation. Tampa has a good defensive line. They will be challenged early in this preseason if they're playing starters in Tampa. So we should get some answers, hopefully pretty early on in this first preseason game. That's just a few days away coming up on Saturday, James. And before Saturday, we should take a look at the rest of this depth chart. We'll take a look at some of the other interesting spots coming up next. Maybe you're bullish on the Bengals going into the house of the defending Super Bowl champs on Saturday night, or maybe you think the Bucs are going to steamroll the Bengals. Either way, you can wager on it at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's preseason games, maybe it's NFL prop bets, or with the regular season less than five weeks away, you can get signed up now, maybe win a little bit of money on the Reds or my Cincinnati Bearcats. You can do that as well at betonline.ag. You can sign up on your mobile device, your laptop, your PC. You go there, get in on the action by heading to the website, betonline.ag. And when you sign up and you make that first deposit, make sure you use promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money, a 50% welcome bonus. Again, with promo code Locked On at betonline.ag. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. All right, James, let's talk about the rest of this depth chart. There are a lot of interesting bits in here. And again, usual caveats apply. I guess I'll try to stop saying this for the rest of the show, but this is the first depth chart. Much will change. We should not read too much into it. But that being said, there are some things that are a little bit interesting. One of them being that the first slot receiver behind Tyler Boyd is Trent Taylor. We expected this one. He's ahead of Trenton Irwin and Riley Lees there. And if Stanley Morgan is going to make this team, I I think he will have to prove that he's worth running seven wide receivers on the roster. Stanley Morgan is, you know, a personal favorite of mine. Obviously, I've talked about him on this podcast quite a bit for quite a long time, but he's just so good as a gunner. And as they've remade a lot of the special teams unit, it does still seem like he has an uphill battle a little bit to find a roster spot with Trent Taylor appearing to be in the driver's seat for wide receiver number six as a clear backup for Tyler Boyd ahead of a couple other guys there. So that's really it on the offensive side of the ball. We've talked offensive line. There aren't really surprises elsewhere. You get really deep 
into some of the the guys fighting for roster spots at tight end or running back, but I don't think we really know a whole lot about those yet. And so beyond that, I, I think we look to the defense where there seem to be some front runners kind of taking shape, James, at some of the positions where the Bengals have added some newcomers in some cases, and that's pushed some other guys down the depth chart. For sure. I, I mean, the, the newcomers, one, they, they've been showing well, and they didn't really – most of them haven't surprised me, right, of where they are. Like, well, we expected Mike Hilton to be where he is. We expected Awuzie and Waynes. But uh, a couple of things that stand out to me about this defense – and. Speaking of rookies, I guess we could start there. Joseph Osai, the second defensive end behind Trey Hendrickson. We've seen Osai a decent amount the past couple of days with Hendrickson sidelined. And that's just good to see because, again, where were your expectations for him? Well, I wasn't expecting him to unseat Henderson or unseat Sam Hubbard, but I also didn't want him to be the third or fourth string defensive end. And so he's right exactly uh, where you want him, right in line for a, a good rotation spot. So that to me was one not a surprise, but when you see a Jackson Carmen with the third team, or you see that and it's like, oh man, he has been struggling and that coincides with it. Well, his size flashed some and his spot on the depth chart shows that and reflects that. So this to me, overall, Jake, and I'm not putting a ton of stock into it, but a lot of these do reflect what I'm seeing on the practice field. And uh, the, the other one that I think is interesting Darius Phillips outside looking in right now and we'll get to him in special teams but outside looking into this this starting cornerback room we expected that but he doesn't even look like he's going to be the fourth corner right now Eli Apple got off to a good start he, he's going to be that boundary corner that that fourth guy and so Phillips is uh, right now the backup slot backup nickel corner to Mike Hilton Yeah, and I actually like Phillips better on the outside. The Bengals seem to like him in the slot. They continue to try to get him into the slot. I I think that his size has something to do with that. He's not this big, long, tall corner that Lou Anarumo and his defensive staff seem to like on the outside. So you have seen them try to get Darius Phillips inside, but I do think he ends up playing up a little bit on the outside. We'll see how that shakes out. But no real surprise with the positive reports we've heard about Eli Apple from you know, coaches from people observing camp. He's showing some of those first round traits and look, he's a former first rounder who's had a tough time in the NFL, but those athletic traits are still there. So if that continues to show up for him, it makes sense that he could be a backup outside corner. The other thing on the defensive line that I think we should talk about, you mentioned Joseph Osai, my guy, Josh Tupo, number two Mm -hmm. and no tackle continues to be one of my favorite Bengals just ahead of Tyler Shelvin, who will of course also make the team. And as is pointed out in the five up five down article from Paul Daner jr. At the athletic Rennell Wren might have a tough battle to find his way to this roster dealing with those injuries. The last couple of years has been tough on him. And it sounds like he's just not showing as much as guys like Shelvin and Tupo Mike Daniels, Ogan Joby, and Reader are all three certainly going to make the team. And I don't know if they'll keep six interior defensive linemen. The other notes are Cam Sample behind Khaled Kareem, who's flashed a little bit, backing up Sam Hubbard on the other defensive end position. So some potential promise there from some of the young guys. And Lou Anarumo just talked about how nice it is to have Josh Tupo back. And so music to my ears. I, I absolutely love Josh Tupo. Yeah, he's athletic, right? He's big-bodied. He's certainly 
Uh, doesn't look like he missed a step or lost a step, even though he had a year off. And speaking of flashing, I guess that's just going to be the word I use all podcast. Uh, Tyler Shelvin looked really good on Sunday. I thought he was good in one-on-ones. He, he was moving well. I, I think he's in pretty good shape. Like he looks exactly where you'd want him to be. Now we'll see in the preseason how he does, if he can flash a bit, but uh, certainly someone I'm excited about. And Cam Sample, I think it's more than anything. He just got off to a late start, started yeah. on the pup list, and it was just a minor injury, but he's just playing catch up. And I wonder where he's going to be a week or two from now. Not that he needs to be ahead of Khalid Kareem by any stretch because, you know, Kareem's uh, a year ahead of him and, and certainly uh, showed his potential a little bit at times last year. But I, I think Cam, we'll see what he does in preseason game number one, but certainly preseason games two and three if he takes a, a step forward as he's adjusting to to what was, you know, obviously life in the NFL, but a, a adjusting after what was a slow start because of injury. Yeah, I think all these defensive linemen in particular, all these trench players go up against a good offensive line in their first preseason game, assuming these guys play for Tampa. Really solid offensive line. Tristan Wirfs, of course, one of the tackles mm-hmm. down there that will be a challenge for Hendrickson and or Hubbard, whoever is going against him if he plays. I guess we don't know who exactly is going to play for Tampa yet. Maybe we'll get a better idea of that a little bit later this week as the Bengals are, I think, going to play a lot of starters with Brandon Allen at quarterback. And Mm -hmm. there are going to be a lot of guys that don't play. We'll have more updates on that probably later in the week. Last depth chart note, James, another new guy, Ricardo Allen, who's currently hurt and dealing with some minor injuries. He's going to miss a little time, according to head coach Zach Taylor, has pushed Trayvon Henderson out of the Mm -hmm. top four safeties. He was the Bengals, really their fourth safety last year, and they haven't really had a solid four safety since uh, uh, Clayton Fedulim departed the team for greener pastures. By green, I mean more money. And so adding Ricardo Allen there, adding some depth there is showing up, and Trayvon Henderson looks to be uh, potentially on the outside looking in if Ricardo Allen gets to the season healthy. Yeah, not not shocked at all. I was really impressed with Ricardo Allen in his interview. I think he's a uh, interview with the media. I think he's a very smart player. And part of the reason why this defensive back room has gelled and had so much success early on is they just seem all to be really intelligent, selfless type guys. And I think Ricardo Allen is exactly that. Obviously, he's got a a history with Luana Rumo, who went down to Florida and recruited him to, to Purdue way back in the day. Um, and then did you mention punt returner? I have not mentioned punt returner. Good catch. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to make sure, cause we're wrapping up, uh, the depth chart stuff. Darius Phillips might be on the outside looking into the top four cornerbacks, but he's listed as the starting punt returner with Trent Taylor behind him. And so that is one of the, the many, I think, um, position battles that we're going to be watching, and then a non-battle that we're still going to discuss, the competition at kicker Evan McPherson's number one, as he should be, again, because this is reflecting what we're seeing in practice thus far. But you, you have any thoughts on the punt return battle? Well, I did see that Darius Phillips, I believe, is also number two at kickoff return behind Brandon Wilson. So there's some job security there because Brandon Wilson has dealt with some injuries in his NFL career, and I think they'll if, if he's their backup kick returner and their starting punt returner, I mean, I think Jerry Phillips is making the team, right? I don't think <laughs> either of us have any misconceptions there. It's just really a question of will he be one of the first corners off the bench because it seems like Eli Apple is getting that opportunity right now. 
Coming up next, James, let's hit those newcomer notes, including the controversial viral discussion about Jamar Chase circulating on social media on Monday. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. I've used Rock Auto. You should too. There's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation, right? It's like having a bad offensive line. You want reliability in the trenches. You want reliability in your driveway. And rockauto.com can help you stay on the road for less. Right now, it's good weather. So, yeah, you might want to stay up to date with all your maintenance with your automobile. It might be something as simple as windshield washer fluid or air filters. Or maybe you need to swap out a fuel pump and you need to make sure that you're getting the right parts for the best price available. Well, rockauto.com can do that. Don't spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can find the parts from the comfort of your own home and do it while you save some money. So go there now, rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure to write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, James, let's get to the hot take part of the show. Not really a hot take. Well, there are hot takes surrounding <laughs> this, I guess. Jamar Chase, you know, he, he's had a bit of an up and down camp. And there's a Paul Daner quote that's going viral that says, you know, at times hasn't separated the way that he thought Jamar Chase would. He's had some drop issues. We've talked about some of the drop issues at times. I don't know that I'm really to a point of concern yet, but uh, there are some folks taking victory laps on the social medias today that I, I think are perhaps a little premature. Jamar Chase is clearly a bust. Dang. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Man. I, I, uh, in this, the sad part that now that we're on YouTube, you should subscribe, by the way. People can cut that and then just use it against me. So don't do that because that would be uh, wrong and incorrect. No, look, he is – is he scorching everybody he's going against and just lighting up camp? He's not. And, and I, I didn't necessarily expect that. But to Paul's point, there have been some drop issues. It's something that I, I've written about. I think we've covered it uh, a bunch. I mean, even back to OTAs when it was really, really early, I was like, eh, there have been some drops. And that hasn't really calmed down. Now, here's the thing, and the thing I have to ask. With the Bengals sinking all the money they have into their secondary, should Jamar Chase just be crushing the secondary every every play? Like he, he almost shouldn't, right? Like it should be a challenge. And the, the thing that I think, I'm not really worried about him finding his way in the NFL and separating and being successful. I think he's going to, and I, I don't think the drop issues are going to be a huge deal. We'll see. But I think I, and a lot of people probably just either not forgot, but dismissed the idea that taking a year off, opting out, that that wasn't going to impact him. And, and then he comes into this, you know, with a ton of expectations, his quarterback has missed him on a couple deep balls that would have changed the perception of his camp. And now suddenly with a couple drops, it's, ah, it's kind of underwhelming. And, and so then that narrative picks up steam and you got these people saying, Oh, I told you Jalen Waddle, this Jalen Waddle, that, or look, it's too early to be doing that or Penny Sewell this or Penny Sewell that it's just too early. And I think that Jamar chase is going to be just fine. He does look the part I think he's still made enough high point catches and flashed that ability 
that uh, that you see it. So we'll see. But I'm not pressing. I'm not even uncovering the panic button yet when it comes to Jamar Chase. I think it's it's way too soon, given again all the moving parts from him opting out to Joe Burrow making his way back to this offensive line, which we've just covered. There's just a lot of factors here, and I think by the time Week One rolls around, I think he'll be okay. But if this drop narrative, you know how this take picks up steam, Jake, is if he has a, a big drop against Tampa Bay, then oh boy, it's going to be. The dogs are going to be unleashed because that's going to be on TV and uh, all the fantasy people, because that's what a lot of people reacted to these fantasy footballers and everybody out there. They'll start to become a topic for sure. I think Jamar Chase might be getting overdrafted from what I saw. He's apparently like the 24th <laughs> wide receiver coming off of annual fantasy draft boards. I, th- I don't remember who had it. I think it was Josh Norris tweeted about it today in response to this is how I found out about, the Paul Daner piece. It was in response to this idea that he's had issues with separation and such. Uh, You asked a question, should he be able to separate? I think all receivers have a bit of an adjustment period. Most of them don't hit the ground running and dominate right away. It does happen sometimes. And, and you do see those exceptions. T Higgins, you know, we didn't even see him really in a game all that much until what week two, week three, he didn't play a ton early on right away. And, and no. I don't know if he dominated at all, but he certainly became very productive and was a very usable wide receiver. But, I mean, the, the reports on T this year are very bullish. We might see some dominant games from T this year, and maybe that's your outside receiver to watch in 2021 more so than Jamar Chase. But we've also talked about the potential for these guys to have four 1,000-yard skill players, and I still think that's a possibility. Will Jamar Chase come out of the gates with a 200-yard game? You know, maybe, maybe not. Minnesota, uh, a very strong defense, I think, in, in many ways at, at many levels. And we'll talk a lot more about that game in the future. But I'm not concerned about it yet either, James, for, for a few reasons. One, you mentioned that, you know, he's he's been missed on some throws. And there have been plays when he's gotten plenty of separation and the throw has been off. Mm-hmm. And we've seen highlights of some of those. The drop issues are you know, potentially a little concerning, but the fact that he works with the jugs machine, he consistently stays after practice to get extra work in. He has a history of doing the the summer of 10,000 catches just makes you think that eventually that issue goes away. Not necessarily entirely wide receivers have drops in the NFL. It's part of life in the NFL, but we'll see. Ask me in like two months about Jamar Chase's drops. And if I'm concerned about that as a long-term issue. And I will say this, too, as far as the fantasy side, I guess, or the usage side, he's getting a lot of screens and, like, quick hits in practice. So it's not like he's not going to get those two. He's not yeah. going to just be this downfield deep threat that they're, they're just throwing deep to and that's it. And so I think he's still going to be a huge part of their offense. Of the three in a PPR league, Tyler Boyd is probably the safest bet and the best value right now. Uh, but – I think Chase is going to be just fine fantasy-wise because in fantasy, it doesn't matter if you get separation 10 times or two times as long as you're cashing in when you get them, right? And I, I think he's just going to be a big big enough part of the offense. But look, we'll see on uh, – because he's gotten a lot of reps with Brandon Allen, right? It's not just been Joe Burrow. He's taken reps, some reps with Brandon Allen, specifically uh, in OTAs to a degree, right, during some of this team stuff. So, hey, we'll see on uh, on Saturday night how, how Chase performs. That's a really good point about the screen game. He is probably 
like the primary screen receiver that you would, mm-hmm. I would imagine in terms of just his ability to break one off. I, I think of him more that way than Tyler Boyd or T Higgins, although I'm sure we'll see it spread He's around. Like but yeah, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the quick twitch and the athleticism and the strength, it makes a lot of sense to me that, you know, he would be the, the top option there. Uh, the other point that you made that I wanted to talk about was Brandon Allen and, and getting those reps in with Jamar Chase. It'll be interesting to see how they approach practice this week with Brandon Allen expected to start. If he gets a little bit more practice time with the ones, especially later in the week, or if they continue to give those to Joe. I mean, that's got to be a difficult balancing act for this coaching staff. Joe Burrow, obviously your starter in the regular season, needs to get a ton of work in. He's coming back from an injury. We've talked about that a lot. But uh, something the coaches certainly have to manage this week. A couple other guys we should talk about, James, before we wrap up the show are Chris Evans and Puka Williams, both technically on the running back depth chart. But it seems like Puka Williams is not really a running back much at all anymore. He unfortunately, it sounds like he pulled something in his leg, according to Jeff Hobson, while running receiver routes on Sunday. He was icing his leg during punt return drills, so he didn't have an opportunity to get in on those in the special teams heavy practice on Sunday. Meanwhile, Chris Evans, who is very clearly a running back, continues to be very impressive. And uh, from that same piece we've mentioned that went viral about Jamar Chase's issues and, and potential struggles, Chris Evans was noted by Paul Daner Jr. as a riser who's been very impressive as a receiver and has really, I think, surpassed expectations as a runner in some ways as well. We'll get a much better idea when we see him go against live competition in Tampa But Chris Evans, who we were both, I think, pretty high on as a lottery ticket kind of guy due to his insane athleticism, potentially arrow pointing up for maybe he emerges as a second second running back on this depth chart at some point. Maybe he does unseat Samaji P. Ryan sometime this season and get some of those third down snaps. We'll see how that develops. But a promising start for the rookie. For sure. I think he's been really impressive. And obviously preseason games, can he take what we've seen on the practice field and put it out there and show that he can be this explosive athlete? Because let's say he's rolling with the third team and he gets in, he starts the second half on Saturday. There's a chance he's one of the more athletic, if not the best athlete on the field, depending on who's left on the field at that stage. And so you want to see what kind of explosion he's going to have, what kind of pop he's going to have. But he's got the size. He's got great speed. He runs great routes. And it's just natural to him. You know, I've said this. I know a lot of people like Puka Williams, who's just so quick. And I've watched him with the wide receivers. But the way Chris Evans runs routes, he looks like a receiver at times. And he's not doing routes with the receivers. He's doing it with the running backs because he's going to play running back. But uh, certainly a noticeable difference there. He's just smooth with the way he runs in and out of his breaks and cuts. So two guys that I hope are ready to go and can play uh, on Saturday. Puka, we'll see if he's just this gadget guy, if maybe he can get a couple punt returns. That would be uh, ideal for him as he tries to find a spot on the roster. On the flip side, Chris Evans, I think he's going to get a lot of run here. And that's a a really interesting battle, the back end of that running back room, Jake. There's a lot of guys, you know, Travion Williams, Jacquez Patrick. And Patrick's played well. This coaching staff, I think, liked Patrick a lot. Taylor praised him the other day. Yep. And Chris Evans, who Taylor, Callahan, all these guys have praised. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, it, it should be fun. If there's one thing keeping us, because we're going to watch it regardless, but keeping fans in to second half of the preseason uh, games, it's this running back battle and some of these other position battles. It should be interesting. Yeah, we'll 
of course, preview this Saturday preseason debut and what you should be watching for, what we'll be watching for a little bit closer to. Tomorrow, the Bengals are back to practice for a few days and we'll have training camp reports coming your way after each of those. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.